Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 130 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me... Hello, hello, David. Hello, the never. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always manage to. We're gonna, I'm gonna end up editing some of that out. I'm yes, sure, but we always end up messing that up. Uh, but well, I mean, we've started this podcast. This is being inside baseball, but we started this podcast early today and had nothing but issues. Yes, yes. <laughs> just see, you caught it off guard. It wasn't ready. The computer yes. wasn't ready. <laughs> so, uh, so yes. How are you doing anyway? What I'm have you been re- up to? Really good, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just been war to war weddings wall-to-wall yes. wedding planning you are a month away now something like yes. that i suspect we'll have one more in before possibly a week or two before my actual properly proper wedding yes yes so that's Bef- terrifying before isn't you're it? sold into slavery <laughs> <laughs> before yeah, yeah yeah that's fine though it's okay because yes. it's the good type it's the good type where i have to consent yes yes but if it. i didn't consent she'd kill me so i kind of <laughs> don't have a choice yeah. but, I, but i definitely have a choice month before i was a bit late to back out so yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely up to me but i don't have a choice <laughs> yes yes you're kind of you're kind of on that road i think at this point now yeah oh dear so uh, what have you been doing in terms of tv and that sort of stuff well like i'm sure i told you last week um uh last week last time we uh we've just moved in so uh the the sky's everywhere everything's everywhere i've been living off sort of netflix and now tv right. uh, what has been keeping me well which we talked about last time is uh rick and morty still watching rick and morty every yes, week yes yes are, are you up to date yeah I'm, I'm, com- I'm completely up to date and utterly hooked on that series it's <laughs> genius absolute Great. genius so yes uh yeah totally up to date on that i'm i'm, I'm kind of crazy craving new episodes now really glad it came on netflix we didn't have one last week though did we no they uh skipped a week something yeah. was going on in the u.s so they they missed a week but uh and yeah was, uh, i think it was last week or the week before we got uh the next season of bojack horseman which i'm a big fan of yes that i haven't got into yet but uh, i, I think, may go and look i think maybe bojack would appeal to a the similar people as as uh, rick and morty i think yeah and yeah i mean there's a definitely a large center of that venn diagram yes i'm sure and you my friend <laughs> are prime for it yeah um other than that i've been watching i've been watching back on channel four have you been watching this oh yes i i've seen the first episode i haven't i think been back and watched the rest of it but yeah i think we're only two in so it's it's going it's it's nice and easy yeah but uh if you like people show you like this i think that's any david mitchell and robert webb program is like well if you like peep show this yeah. will be fine yeah yeah I, I do love those guys and it was funny as well i thought yeah. that was great so um yeah i uh, really yeah. enjoyed that 
Also, uh, did they not announce more Peep Show? Did I hear? Was that a rumor I heard that they, they might be doing more Peep Show? I, I th- if they did, I missed that. But unconfirmed, uh, unconfirmed. <laughs> yeah, Detail I, rumor hour. <laughs> yes, not that I'm aware of. But uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things that yeah, it's the type of thing that could come back for specials. I would have thought, and that sort of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I think it ends itself quite well to like we could look back in in 20 years and do a retrospective on peep show because it's that sort of everybody's got knows that dynamic of like one's really grumpy and one sort of loose and doesn't really mm. care about something you know it's you know it's quite a you know open thing oh yeah uh, david mitchell did do an interview saying that you know it could turn up like 10 years time yeah they mm. may they may kind of go back to it at some point oh there you go so Maybe yes not, yes, not next not, week though <laughs> yeah yeah it's not gonna ha- have uh it, you know he's saying it would probably be a different show with a different name but it would be the same idea with the same sort of characters and the yeah. you know that sort of thing so uh for, for my last two now i've got quite a quite an end-to-end you know two different polls here on the one end it's uh it's the start of what i like to call trash tv season <laughs> all right uh, so we've had new bake-off on channel four which is actually really good so i'm really enjoying the bake-off good uh we've had things like x factor soon we'll have the apprentice i'm a celebrity that kind of thing i yes. won't bore you but that, yeah. that, that's where we are now and as a as a man with a soon-to-be wife that's my <laughs> that's consumed my life now and uh frankly i'm okay i'm okay with it it's like it's almost like if she disappeared i'd still probably do it every week still right. probably sit there and watch them all because they're great I, um yeah there's there's too much other reasonable tv around although <laughs> there there is um there is one of those things i mean i i've said before my my kind of guilty pleasure although i yeah, don't subscribe to Guilty Pleasures. If you enjoy it, you should just do it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do watch X Factor a bit because uh, I just, I particularly enjoy watching people making idiots of themselves when they're doing <laughs> the uh, when they're doing the auditions. But that's sort of my only bit of reality yeah. TV trash that I tend to watch with uh, any regularity. Well, we're, uh, we're right in that season now and it's going to mm. go on till about Christmas normally and then we'll get some, uh, you know, See, then, the- then it'll go away and I'll catch up with everything I missed in the autumn winter time this is this is how they hook you you see they they start them a little bit earlier than a lot of the dramas so um that's how they get to me so that that's how they get you because there's not that there hasn't been that much on so they they kind of hook you in by starting them a few weeks before all the dramas come back so you're not kind of sunk into all the dramas and you end up watching the uh, the trash instead mm-hmm. and by that time you're invested so you end yes, up staying they've, they've got me yeah <laughs> yeah the last thing i'm watching actually is like i say is polar opposite to that um on the because uh we've watched been watching the bake-off on channel four and mm-hmm. uh Noel Fielding's in the Bake Off. Um, the All Four app gives you like suggested things based on like people who are in things that you've watched. And I've right. been watching Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Have you heard um, of this? I've heard of it. I haven't seen any of it, um, but I have heard of it. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. It's really really good. So I think this is like the first sort of or one of the first sitcoms with that sort of you know that end of comedian. So there's like uh, Matt Holness is in it, Richard Ayoade, Matt Berry, and yeah. cameos from people. I guess al- would you alternative comedy actors like Stephen yeah. Merchant, Noel and Julian Barra. Graham Linehan is in uh, one or two as well. Who right. wrote um, was it Father Ted? Yeah. And then the IT crowd. I just I saw it on there and I thought you know what I'm gonna give that a go. And it actually it's really really good. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, um, I was told it was it was a decent show. It's just one that I've uh, never got to yet. 
only six 25 minute episodes and they're all on uh, all four so okay definitely cool. worth a go um, it's sort of um it's like it's filmed like a retrospective on a tv show so there's interviews with the cast members and the tv show is quite intentionally very 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 bad and <laughs> tropey and, and sort of badly filmed but they all think it's like it's tackling the, all these issues and you yeah. know it's a big deal it's, it's really good it's really good um so definitely worth a watch and that's uh that's been me dave it's been uh it's been a, it's been a, we've been uh running around booking people and all sorts barely got yeah. a word in and watching the x factor it's been a, <laughs> a nightmare yeah <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I mean, I've been I've been finishing up uh, Tin Star, which oh, you is, finished it, yeah, because it's although it's going out weekly on Sky mm. Atlantic, it is all on as a box set as well as they tend to do with their their uh, original production these days. So I've been I've been watching uh, Tin Star. Got to the end of it. It's it's really good. I have been enjoying it. But... it. It thinks it's a bit more bit cleverer than it actually is. I think. <laughs> There, there are gaping plot holes in certain <laughs> points of it, uh, but you see, if it's very well acted, Tim Roth, he's, I could watch Tim Roth in anything. I, oh, yeah. I just, and it's the uh, the lady from Mad Men, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, who again? You're gonna, I guess, her name completely escapes me. But, uh, but uh, yes, she was uh, Mrs. Reynolds as well in in Firefly. But yes, was she? I don't remember her in Firefly. She was. She played uh, when when Mal gets married. Um, amazing, amazing that <laughs> we've gone this deep. Firefly <laughs> podcast, Dave. <laughs> um, yes, it was. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to find a name now. Um, <laughs> oh, Christina Hendricks. That's it. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Christina Hendricks played Saffron in uh, in Amicis Reynolds the episode of Firefly. So, I mean, that's probably where I first saw her, actually. But, mm. uh, yeah, and then she was in Mad Men, which is what she's probably known best for by a lot of people. And um, she's she's kind of the female lead in this. And it, the story's interesting because on the surface, when you first, in the first episode, I don't want to give too much away because I know people will still be watching it. So on the surface, it looks like, you know, he's this British cop that's moved to this sleepy little US town. And there is an oil refinery, which is trying to be built on the edge of town. And she's the PR person for the oil refinery. And it initially, it looks like the conflict is going to be between directly between the two of them but it becomes apparent that part of the uh, tim roth's character his old life was sort of from england has may have followed him back across to you know across the atlantic to this sleepy little town and um that's sort of where a lot of the conflict ends ends up being it is quite well written uh, it's very well acted it's beautifully shot there are just a few problems i have with the story mm. but i i can't really go into that yeah. without giving too much away so i don't want to say much more than that i would say it is well worth watching though and uh there is a second season of it already how um how long is the first season 10 episodes i think okay and like a like a 40 minute to an hour type situation yeah it's 40 minutes to an hour 10 episodes fairly easy to to get through it's not that's not too much to binge through, I don't think. Mm. So there's that. Suits, the mid-season finale, happened this week. Uh, just in case people are a little bit confused, there is, I think, 16 episodes, and they've done like 10 episodes, and then we'll get six more in the new year for that. Oh. But uh, that's looking really good. 
I, yeah, it's an amazing show. If you've never seen Suits, it's well worth watching. Just really, I mean, it, it's it's that sort of American procedural lawyer drama, but done with such style and uh, really, really well written. You know, there's, it's the dialogue's fantastic. It's sort of quippy between the leads. And I just love that show. If you've not seen Suits, it's well worth watching. And uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams started this week as well on Channel 4. So that will be on the uh, More 4 app or the All 4 app or yeah. Yes. It is I've been that. meaning to check it out. Heard yeah. some excellent, uh, some good stuff on a podcast la- uh, last week, Dave. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. We we talked to the exec producers, uh, Michael Diner and Ronald D. Moore, last week. So uh, go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to last week's yet, because that was a really interesting interview, particularly if you like Electric Dreams. The Hoodmaker, which was one of the episodes they previewed to us, we saw that last week. Uh, and that, I mean, it it's an uh, interesting take on, the, the original Philip K. Dick work because like a lot of these they're not directly taking the story mm. from you know as has happened with most of Philip K. Dick's work because it was written a while ago they've kind of updated it and changed it in some way uh, you know same thing goes for uh, Do Android Dream of Electric Sleep when it came in, when it turned into Blade Runner with a lot of these they've taken inspiration from the work but the story that's ended up on screen has, has been quite different so this is uh, is based on the Hoodmaker and uh, it's still called the Hoodmaker on the version that's gone out on TV. But the story's quite a bit different from the original short story that it's taken from. But I think that's fine. You know, uh, Philip K. Dick's one of the things that Philip K. Dick does is he's a huge inspiration for sci-fi writers. And this is just an extension of that. And the the sort of essence of the story is kind of there. It, you know, it just tweaks it and changes it into a different, slightly different way. You know, the book has things like robot police offices in and, and <laughs> stuff. And, and none of that's gone on screen. But I think the the feel of what they've got on screen is still very much Philip K. Dick. So it's a brilliant, brilliant series. I mean, we've se- I've seen two episodes so far. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it. The episode, I think it's The Impossible Planet, is the second episode next week, which is, is not one we- they actually previewed to us. So I'm, that I'm very interested to see. But if you've not watched it yet, it's going out Sunday nights, I think at 9 or 10 p.m. on Channel 4. Well, well worth watching if you've not seen Electric Dreams yet. Go and check that out. <laughs> Speaking of David Mitchell, as we were earlier, Upstart, yes. Crows, Upstart Crows started its second season just as the opposite as you could be from something like Electric Dreams. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just silly sitcom. It's very kind of black addery in the way that it's put together, based around the likes of, of Shakespeare and... And uh, where he gets his sort of inspiration for the stories from. It's written by Ben Elton, just thoroughly enjoyable. Again, yeah, David Mitchell, incredibly watchable on, on these sort of things. And it is proper straight sitcom and uh, just just very, very well done. So I really enjoyed that. And uh, also on the site this week, something that I just wanted to point out to people. If you're a fan of The Punisher and the Marvel shows, I interviewed Amber Rose Rever, who is playing the sort of cop that's chasing The Punisher through or crosses paths with the Punisher over the course of his season, which we believe is coming in October. It's not officially Whoa, confirmed. That's very yet. exciting. But uh, October, originally we were told November, then we're hearing that it's probably October. 
don't exactly know yet because they've not officially released the date, but that appears to be, it's certainly going to arrive before the end of the year. So that's a, that's a written interview. It's up on the website and we kind of talked to her about her character and uh, a bit more about the show. So if you want a bit of insight into what you might be seeing on The Punisher coming up, go and check out that article. And uh, lastly, it was the Emmys last night. So various shows did particularly well. Handmaid's Tale did incredibly well got six Emmys. Uh, that's on top of anything that they won last week at the Creative Emmys, which had done the week before, which is all the technical stuff. So uh, this one kind of directing, writing, acting Emmys uh, and picked up six, did incredibly well. First time that the uh, that a streaming service has actually won for Best Drama, which oh, that's m- interesting. must have really upset Netflix and uh, and yeah. uh, Amazon, you know, because because this is, I mean, Hulu's done a few original dramas, but not many, mm. you know, compared to the amount of stuff that Amazon and Netflix are churning yeah. out, and Hulu hit it out the park with their first like really really big one so yeah i mean a phenomenal piece of work i mean the you know it's a great great show and obviously coming back for another season as well that yeah six emmys that picked up last night big little lies also did amazingly well which Mm. is the um hbo show originally i mean it was only supposed to be one season it was kind of a, a, a mini series, which is why it was it won in the limited series category. But um, they're now talking about possibly making a second one, having uh, had a huge amount of success for it. Does that mean they have to give their award back? Uh, no, I don't think maybe, so. Maybe this was the plan all along, Dave. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so, no, I, I think they get to keep their awards. But that, again, that picked up three or four awards, and that was for directing and and acting and uh, and for the show itself. So, I mean, that that did phenomenally well. And uh, Dill Power, because it's like um, almost all female cast and females behind the camera as well. So, uh, yeah. so you know, that was, that was really good. And uh, you got Atlanta winning... I was going to say Atlanta did well. Atlanta, Atlanta won for uh, directing for uh, uh, Donald Glover, and there was a few others in there as well. I think Master of None picked up an award. Master of None's good. Yeah, so they, they, there was a really good, quite diverse spread. The uh, the Emmys, if you are interested in seeing the Emmys, they the rights to them to air them over here are with Channel 5. So, of course, rather than airing them live or <laughs> next day, they are putting it on 5 USA on Tuesday at about 5 to 1 in the morning. Amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's around, and I think then it's repeated the following saturday at like 9 a.m so so completely random times but uh, if you want to see it it is you'll go and uh, look for it on your skybox or whatever and it'll pop up as so you can set it to record but uh yeah the, i've actually managed to catch a bit of the uh, the opening monologue by stephen colbert which was very very funny and uh, has an appearance by sean spicer in it as well <laughs> which, doing, doing the thing on a kind of you know how the melissa mccarthy thing that they've had on saturday night live yeah yeah um, basically doing that with the mobile desk you know the yeah. uh, i mean that was quite funny yeah there's a lot of backlash against the fact that he's shown up at that show because of yeah. everything that happened but uh, but yes i as a whole the whole thing was quite amusing so i yes that was quite good uh, so uh, congratulations to all the emmy winners next up we're going to move on to some tv and film news <laughs> 
TV and film this week. Start off with the air date updates as usual. Uh, HBO have renewed last week tonight, which also did well. That picked up two Emmys last night. They've renewed last week tonight with John Oliver for three more seasons, meaning meaning he'll be around until at least 2020, which wow. is uh, good news. I was going to say, that's good. I know you like John Oliver. Yes, John, that, that show's amazing if you've not seen that. It's, it's really good political satire. I mean, I love The Daily Show as well, but... The, the nice thing about that is it's a longer show and they focus more on one particular topic each week. So yeah. it's really well put together, well researched. I love that show. Uh, speaking of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah has had his contact renew- renewed as well, which means he's sticking with The Daily Show till at least 2022. So they're making sure he doesn't go anywhere either. <laughs> I think that's good news all round for political satire. Netflix has renewed Atypical, which was superb, uh, the first season of that. It, that's Again, that's a really short season it's like 10 episodes and they're they're under half an hour some of the episodes of that so oh. uh it, that's really binge watchable but uh that was the one about the uh, the family and the son is autistic and he's sort of 18 and trying to get away from his parents and sort of experience life more on his own and uh you know dealing with girls and and sort of just coping with life on his own but it's a comedy it's really really well done so that's been renewed for a second season uh vikings has been renewed for a sixth season before the fifth season's even aired so uh that's good news for fans of vikings i've still about halfway through season three of that so i've got way to go to catch up for it yet mm. uh but the uh the fifth season's due on the 30th of november in the uk on amazon prime it'll air sometime next year on um history channel as well but uh premieres on amazon prime in the uk Modern Family has got an air date for its ninth season. That's coming back to, on the uh, 6th of October. That's returning to the UK. That's the Sky One. I, um, uh, back to the rumour mill, I heard they're only going to do 10 seasons. I think they said they're going to stop at some point, Modern Family, maybe. wouldn't surprise me if they want to kind of bring it to a close. I, I suspect it may go a bit past 10, but we'll, we'll see. They certainly, I think it's one of those shows they're going to want to go out on a high before it starts getting a bit kind of repeated repetitive and stuff also those kids are getting older and stuff well yeah there is that as well Disney XD have announced an air date for Star Wars Rebels which is the 28th of October at 9am which will be a Saturday that's for the fourth and final season some people complaining oh no that's way behind the US it's not that far behind the US it's about a week so you know (laughs) it's not it's not horrendously behind it's not I mean I know it's not next day but Come on, really? So um, that's coming on the 28th of October. And then Fox UK has picked up The Orville, apparently, which is uh, Seth MacFarlane's new show, which is a sort of spoof Star Trek is yes. kind of the idea. It's a, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, this looks really funny. It's got mauled by the critics in the US, <laughs> but had its largest opening for uh, Fox US since I can't remember what the other show was, but it had a huge opening for its first episode in the US. So um, that's that's kind of good news. I think it could be one of those shows. It's either going to lose a lot of its audience for its second episode, or it's going to be one of those shows that does incredibly well despite the fact that the tri- critics absolutely hate it. 
Yeah, so perhaps it's one of those where you, you really have to be into Star Trek to, otherwise the jokes don't land or something. I think maybe it's just McFarlane's humour. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, just tend to split people, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I think it will work well for fans of for, for fans of sci-fi and fans of things like Family Guy. Uh, it's like his film, um, The uh, Thousand Ways to Die in the West. Yes. Which, uh, you know, critics again hated, but I have to say I found some of it quite funny. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that it's whether you like McFarlane's humor or not but we'll see we haven't got an air date for that yet but it is coming to Fox UK apparently so moving on to bigger news stories and they don't really get much bigger than this one uh, <laughs> Star Wars episode 9 the final one of the new trilogy has got a new director after they got rid of Colin Trevorrow who was the person who was, was lined up to direct it and uh, it's a new old director because it's J.J. Abrams is coming back Woo! I, you know I've heard resoundingly bad things about it it's fine isn't it JJ Abrams is good yeah. at things yeah I mean I, people it's funny because the when The Force Awakens came out in uh, 2015 people kind of laid into it and said oh well it, you know it's it's sort of a remake of, of Star Wars and so well Yes, but that was sort of the uh, point. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I, I think I think it's that sort of thing where it said, "Yes, we can do that. It's fine with us. We we can look after this, and it'll everything will be okay." And yeah. you know it, and it's not going anywhere. But we're going to do some new stuff too, and that's exciting. And I think you need that buffer movie so then you can go on to do a bit different yeah. things. You know? Yeah, I I think absolutely, and. You know, they've been having problems with directors recently. You know, we've you had the issue with yes, the, go on, yeah, carry on. The Han, so- the Han Solo movie uh, had Phil Lord and Chris Miller kicked off it due to creative differences. Yeah, um, yeah, you have an opinion on this? Have you? No, no, I just I remember hearing that. And I thought it was very strange. And as soon as you, I didn't think about it until you said that. But you said about um, having differences, uh, having uh, issues with directors. I thought there's a lot of that around because there's been a lot about. Um, was it uh, Ben Affleck's Batman movie has been, yeah, been struggling yeah, yeah. as well? There's a lot of that around recently. Yeah, I mean, there, there has been a few things. I mean, the, the Ben Affleck Batman movie is, is basically getting rewritten, I think. Yeah, so they're yeah. not using Affleck's script. But yeah, there's all sorts of weird things, particularly over on DC's side. I mean, there's, you know, Marvel, Marvel or rather Lucasfilm and Disney are having a few issues with their directors because obviously they lost Trevor O, who, you know, they had differing visions of episode nine apparently yeah. they also fired chris lord and uh, sorry phil lord and chris miller uh, from the han solo movie due to creative differences basically they were making a slap about comedy and uh they went uh no <laughs> no 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 that's not what this is um, i think there's, there's been this draw to to hire sort of indie developers and give them a bigger budget and make you know let them do the movie they want to do and it was going well and now it seems to be not going well anymore yeah, I, I think that's it they they're trying to hire interesting sort of auteur directors and then when they're kind of getting to it they, they're going actually this isn't working so <laughs> they've they've ended up going back to safer pair of hands like ron howard who took over the han solo movie and yeah. and jj now taking over star wars and honestly i think that's all it is i think it's a star wars movie it's going to be fine it's going to be great they'll get the script sorted jj's he's fine right yeah he's a 
perfectly fine director i think he did a perfectly good job with um force awakens i really enjoyed that film yeah there were bits of it which was sort of aping back to star wars but that was sort of the point of it i thought yeah so you know i i don't really you know like you say it needed that kind of buffer reset before before they could move on so I, I don't know. It's um, he's he's co-writing the film with uh, Chris Torino, who uh, wrote Argo, also wrote the Justice League. But we'll kind of push that to a side. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, well, we don't know actually. With Justice League, it could, League. Be, a it could, it could be, be the best movie you've ever seen. It could be. It could be. Um, I think he had some involvement in Batman Superman as well. So uh, I don't want to that one. With that, that one might not be the best movie <laughs> you've ever seen. So, uh, but Argo and Justice League. So uh, we're, we're two of the things. And Argo was a great film. So uh, yeah. So and he's co-writing it. So you've got AJ. You've got JJ there <laughs> to balance out any issues, and. What I do like about this is the fact that Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy, who is now the head of Lucasfilm, are very much keeping a tight rein on everything. You know, if it starts to head in a direction they don't like, they're letting people play in that sandbox. But much as I adore Phil Lord and Chris Miller, trying to make, you know, an improvised comedy from the Han Solo movie, which kind yeah. of sounds what they were trying to do, is not the right direction for what you what they should have been doing. Because if you're dealing with a property like Star Wars, you can't really do that because you're writing, you know, it's, it's taken very seriously by fans and you're writing Star Wars history in some ways. Yeah, definitely. And, I think on the, on the, on the one hand, there, if, if they're looking for... The thing I think people like about indie directors is and indie movies is they get that it's more about the characters than like the pieces or the action or anything it's like yeah. very personal and i think that's a very good thing to want in a big movie and to have in a big movie but i don't think giving those directors the reins is always the the, the idea because no. sometimes it just like in this like in that sort of improvisational way sometimes it just won't carry yeah yeah I, I think that's been part of the problem is that I, I get why they're trying to do it. I think it's it's just it's quite dangerous in some ways because you're giving them a large amount of money to do something. Like if, if there's something that they improvise and ends up in a Han Solo movie that doesn't then fit with things that are going to happen later yeah. on down the line, that's an issue. You know, that's the other thing about having this big already established. Yeah. Not just the character, but the whole universe, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, things have to, it's a big jigsaw puzzle. Things have to fit together and you can't go massively off script with something, which is what they appear to, they appear to be been doing. You know, I think Colin Trevorrow, great director, but I think he did the right thing. If he wasn't, rather than starting the film and getting kicked off it, if he wasn't happy with the way it was going to go, it's Definitely. good that he, he had that discussion early on and decided to step down and, you know, JJ's now taking it over. So uh, we've got the next one coming up, which is 15th of December. That light rise for that's for The Last Jedi. And then uh, the other thing, because of this changeover, is the, um, the air date for the final one in this sort of trilogy has been moved from May 2019 to December 2019. I, I, I think I think we probably knew that, didn't we, Dave? Yeah, you know what I mean? I, like, I like think... we, the, the other two were December, so this one was probably going to... Somehow this was going to get moved back. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, that was my thought. It was like, you should never have tried it. Every time yeah. they've tried to set to set the film to go out in May, it's got moved back to December. So yeah. I think that was, you know, <laughs> there, there you go. I think, I think you know, don't try and set the film to come out in May. It's never going to work. Yeah. 
So it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, these uh, video game companies will say a game's coming out, particularly like Rockstar, will say a game's coming out X time and you, nobody, that's not, that's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. So, you yes, take the uh, air dates of the pinch of salt sometimes. So, yeah, that will be coming December 2019, but we've got the movie coming this year for uh, Last Jedi, which comes on the 15th of December. Do, so. we, know, do we know what year the uh, Han Solo movie is? Uh, that's is that next the, year. The tweener one. That's the, the tweener, tweener one. one. So that'll be next year. That I assuming December. I'm I'm guessing next year. Yeah. Uh, for the Han Solo movie. So uh, so that'll be next year. And then we'll be having. They're talking what Boba Fett movies or Obi Wan movies for the year some after. Maybe. Movies. So there will be some more coming up. I mean, although we're saying it's the final of this trilogy, it will. But in no way will it be the final Star Wars movie. <laughs> there will be more. But uh, yeah. So, uh, so lots of Star Wars coming up forever in a day, I suspect. <laughs> Moving on to a TV adaptation of a book, which is by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman called Good Omens. Uh, are you aware of the book? I don't know whether... Yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very big Terry Pratchett fan. Yes, I'm aware of the book. Yeah. So, um, um, and I like this. This is good news. This is good news, I think. Yes. Uh, so we knew we knew that the uh, uh, Amazon and the BBC are co-producing this this version of Good Omens, which uh, Neil Gaiman is actually showrunning and he's writing the script for, not Terry Pratchett, obviously. Uh, <laughs> which is good, which is you know because if if it got you know yeah. if it was someone else, you never know. Do you? Yeah, exactly. So you know it's it's one of the authors being the person in control of it. So they they announced a whole load of new casting. They've actually released a, a photo with David Tennant and Michael Sheen as the two leads. To Today, that's just gone up because they've started oh, yes. principal photography today. So they released a photo, which we've got up on the website of, of the pair of them. But they've announced a whole load of people joining them in the cast. And uh, that's Jack Whitehall, Michael McKean, who you'll know as, as the older brother in uh, Better Call Saul. And uh, from This Is Spinal Tap, Miranda Richardson from uh, How... Harry Potter films, Adriana Ajuna from Narcos and True Blood, and she was in Emerald City as well. So uh, they've announced this whole bunch of, of extra cast for it. Uh, it's going to be a six-part series, which will air on Amazon first, because it's going out like 200 countries on Amazon, including oh, wow. the UK. It will go out on Amazon first, and then we'll go on to the BBC later. But it's not coming till 2019, this as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. It's basically the idea of there is a war brewing between sort of good and evil. The official kind of statement of the uh, story is, according to the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter Witch, which is the only completely accurate book of prophecies, the world will end on Saturday, next Saturday, in fact, just before dinner. So the armies of good and evil are amassing. Atlantis is rising tempers are flaring everything appears to be going according to the divine plan except for Azraphael who's played by uh, Michael Sheen the somewhat fussy angel and Crowley played by David Tennant who is a fast living demon both of whom have lived among Earth's mortals since the beginning and have grown rather fond of their lifestyle they're not actually looking forward to the coming war and somebody seems to have misplaced the Antichrist so <laughs> it's it's typically very Pratchett I think that yeah um, and I think it's interesting when you see things like that because you know like they did those uh was it sky did a, yes. done a couple of them and they're very because a lot of pratchett's oh i'm gonna get like writer nerd about it but a lot of the good writing is in the narration and those little those little just before dinner bits in the narration yeah. so it'd be interesting how that carries over when they're well, I don't know. There might be narration, but in a in a character drama or whatever, you yeah, know, it's interesting how that would carry over. 
Yeah, I think Sky did an incredibly good job with Definitely. with those. I think they did extremely well. So um, I'm very interested to see this and see what they do with it. But uh, it's it's nice that they're kind of doing it. I I suspect as a little one off thing. I don't think it's going to be a series. But yes, this mm. little six part series I think could be really good. It's such a great cast to add add to it as well. I think there's some uh, there's some really good people in there. Uh, Michael McKean I think was amazing in Better Call Saul. Yes, so, very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jack Whitel's always kind of good for a comedy turn, I think. So, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Sticking with book adaptations, we've got George R.R. R. Martin to exec produce an adaptation of uh, Nidhi Okafora's, I think that's how you pronounce it, Who Fears Death for HBO. I, I think this is George R.R. R. Martin's attempt to get out of not finishing the book. Because <laughs> yeah. he keeps on coming up with things to do. Yeah. He's filling that time. Yeah. He's only exec producing this. He's not actually going to be like writing it or anything. Uh, he's exec producing with the former HBO president, Michael Lombardo, who uh, was actually at HBO when Game of, who commissioned Game of Thrones. Yeah, when Game of Thrones was in development so they kind of teamed up to exec produce this the script's been written by Selwyn Selfu Hines and it's a coming of age story set in a post-nuclear holocaust Africa which follows Onyesanu a young girl whose background makes her an outcast she must go on a journey of self-reproach to love but she'll have to overcome untold obstacles defeating her hated sorcerer's father and becoming the instrument prophetic deliverance for the land of oppressed people all the while fighting to master terrifying powers growing insider Ooh, so there's a lot to unpack yeah, there <laughs> uh, difficult to read um <laughs> so uh, there's that it's basically it's very sort of sci-fi and fantasy kind of mixed by the sounds of it which is is a reasonable area i think for martin to be kind of working around it this is is coming as part of uh, martin's overall deal with hbo to develop new series for the channel which that includes all those millions of game of thrones spin-offs mm. they've been talking about as well it shouldn't actually affect his writing because i mean he is only exec producing you know he isn't writing it how much how hard could it be yeah but then you know i do wonder if he's gonna hold off until the cv series finished before mm. he gets around to finishing winds of uh, winter and then oh that's a good idea i'll do that <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's it maybe he's maybe he's gonna crib ideas off the tv series you don't know but um yeah i don't know it sounds like it could be quite interesting and i'm always up for more kind of sci-fi fantasy coming to the to tv and it's hbo you know so could go wrong yeah exactly hbo have done a i mean you look at things like westworld they've done a phenomenal job with definitely yeah you know, some stuff so and uh sticking with the adaptation theme we seem to have uh, the, this week <laughs> arrows mark guggenheim is developing a true lies tv series for fox uh I, I, have you ever seen the movie true lies because i mean it was no, 1994 I, so that's the year i was born the very year <laughs> god i'm so um, old no i haven't now <laughs> um yeah i mean it's a fun film you should go and watch it i mean it's it's ridiculous in that sort of 90s james cameron kind of way but of it's fox have have given a put pilot commitment with, with a large penalty which basically means if it doesn't make it to series or doesn't make it to air they pay a lot of money oh, as a, in a penalty for it so it, it, it ups the chance of the fact that it will get to a series 
It's a reboot of the James Cameron movie, which starred Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. Mark Guggenheim is writing the script. Uh, Mark Guggenheim is one of the showrunners of Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, and he's a comic book writer and has done a million other things as well. This is his first broadcast project to come after Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, after he left his overall deal with Warner Brothers TV because he was sort of locked into Warner Brothers prior to this. The story is supposed to be a modern version of the original film story, which is basically about this idea of a suburban couple and how they adjust once it's revealed that one of them is a spy. So, Do, in the- do you know, um, Dave, you'll, you'll like this. <laughs> Go on. You know, I thought, I thought, I'm sure I've seen a Simpsons episode that was just like that. <laughs> Very probably, yes, we know because you get all, all your my cultural references and touchstones come from the come Simpsons. From- Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there, there is, I suspect there is a Simpsons episode that, that is like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's basically uh, the, in the film, Arnold Schwarzenegger, it, his wife thinks he's cheating on her and he then discovers that it's it's not the fact that he's cheating, it's the fact that he's actually a spy. And that becomes a whole thing. The, uh, the film had a very young Eliza Dushku from Buffy in it as well. Yeah. played the daughter I seem to remember so yes it's uh, James Cameron who wrote directed and produced the original film is attached to the exec producer McGee who is the Hollywood director behind various things he most recently he's done the uh, Lethal Weapon reboot which is been pretty good actually which has been airing on itv over here so uh, he'll produce and if the script moves forward if fox do actually pick it up he'll direct the pilot as well it's an interesting one to go for but you know i i can see there are legs on it i would have thought as a Why series not? you know i i think there's you know the idea of a kind of a suburban couple where one of them is a is a secret spy i think that that could work quite well has a sort of chuck feel about it you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes. So, so uh, that could be quite good. So that's all the news for this week. Next up, we have the interview. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The interview this week is with composer Gary Leone. Gary is a three-times Emmy-winning composer, and he's had a fairly diverse career. He started out working in cartoons for Hanna-Barbera and worked on things like Tom and Jerry and Dexter's Laboratory. Before, he he hit a sort of major gear shift and decided he didn't want to do that anymore and uh, ended up moving into quite serious documentaries. The most notable recent work that he's uh, he's done is O.J. Made in America, which was this groundbreaking documentary which not only picked up multiple enemy awards but also picked up an oscar because although it's seven and a half hours long they released it as a seven and a half hour movie in theaters as well so um yeah it's it's one of the only tv series to have won an oscar but uh that that dexter's laboratory though that's the stuff (laughs) great cartoon series so actually had a really now that i think about it i'm like that had a really good soundtrack actually yeah so there you go he's a great composer he was a really interesting guy to talk to obviously we 
we're talking quite a lot about OJ, but we're talking about the the soundtrack for that is, is superb as well because it morphs in and out of various different musical dramas from kind of quite bluesy things to sort of orchestration and that sort of stuff. So we talk quite a lot about that. Some more general stuff about how to get into the music business as well. So if you're an aspiring musician, you might be quite interested in this. So here's the interview with Gary. We'll see you afterwards with some air dates for next week. Hey, Gary. Hey, David. How are you doing? Good. All good. Should we start off with a bit of background? Do you want to just tell me how you got into composing in the first place? Well, yeah, I was always interested since I was a kid in film soundtracks. I, I remember hearing those old sort of like Bernard Herrmann scores when I was a kid, and, and they always made an impression on me. But then, you know, I went off into many years of playing in a rock band, that kind of thing. But even <laughs> during the those years, I still had an interest in sort of instrumental songs that sort of had a filmic quality to them. But after the film, after the the rock and roll band years kind of ran their course, which is about eight or nine years, I moved to L.A. and started thinking about film music and started going to uh, UCLA Extension. They had a, a certificate program in film scoring. And I went through that program and then decided to try to get some jobs, you know, and that's basically how it started, really sort of in a very traditional way, except I skipped getting a master's in music composition somewhere along the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do I do have a degree in music in college, but I don't had uh, the, the traditional, you know, Juilliard-based uh, training. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I always say you don't really need a degree as long as you as long as you know what you're doing. That's fine. <laughs> that, that's what I think. You know, I don't think anybody can really teach you to write a melody. They can certainly teach you the craft of of, of music, but in terms of you know the creative uh, mystique, that that comes from some other place. I think. Uh, yeah. So it's not like the Beatles had a degree in music, you know. So <laughs> they certainly didn't, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I mean, I, I was looking through your your IMDb. It's 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 quite interesting your IMDb page because you get there was obviously something changed in about 2004 because the earlier stuff is lots of cartoons you did things like dexter's laboratory and uh joy yeah. quest and tom and jerry mm-hmm. and droopy yeah. and yeah. and then you get to uh 2004 and it suddenly switches into majority of documentary series so what brought about that change when i first started out i thought that i wanted to do movies and tv but i sent a demo to Hanna-Barbera for animation. (laughs) And to make a long story short, I ended up getting in with those guys and then with Cartoon Network and all that whole thing, which was really a great training ground for me. And I loved it. But after a while, you know, you, you start writing, it's so many notes and it it sort of gets repetitive. You know, all these directors would come to me and say, I want my score for this, this new show to be really innovative. And in the end, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's, they they sort of, (laughs) think that they want something new, but what they really want is sort of not all that different from what has happened before. Right. So I sort of, I started to lose interest and um, wanting to, to do some more dark, dramatic music. And a friend of mine, a college buddy of mine, actually the bass player in my band, had told me that he knew of these two HBO producers that were doing a new documentary film. And Although they already had a composer, he thought maybe you should send a demo to them anyhow. So I did. And at that point, they were thinking of making a change 
Long story short, they hired me. And that was in 2004. So once I got that HBO documentary, which, which is my first, I kind of never looked back and I just stopped trying to get animation. I just totally yeah, made it. Yeah, I didn't even... Yeah. I even turned down <laughs> some animated gigs. I just had had it sort of. Not that it's, <laughs> that, I you know I would, if somebody came to me with an animated show now, sure, I'd love to do it because it's been a long time and I, I'm sure I'd have fun with it. But at that point in time, I had sort of been ready for a, a change. I mean, that's that must have been kind of an interesting pitch because what, what did you what did you send them? Because it's not like you can go, here's here's the music I did for Stripperella you know, <laughs> for right. your documentary you know so right. oh well I had plenty of uh of stuff you know I I was always writing uh you know uh, sort of dark, dark dramatic uh pieces of music throughout so I always I always had plenty to grab from yeah uh, it really was an issue and as, actually I think they they wanted me to score a scene so I did a scene or two got you and uh, you know, it was it was a tough decision for them to hire me based on a friend's recommendation, but that's <laughs> kind of how how a lot of jobs are, are gotten. So, well, uh, yeah, there's a certain amount of luck when it it comes to uh, getting anything in Hollywood. I think you know? for sure, right place, right time, yeah, kind of thing makes so much of a difference. Somebody has to get the job. It's sort of like there's a certain number of slots that have to be filled in any given project, and if you're there and you happen to be your numbers up you you might get the gig if you've got if you if you come prepared so yeah yeah absolutely be prepared always the best thing right um, so the the big thing of course you've been doing quite recently uh oj made in america right which is this huge huge documentary i think it went out on bbc4 over here it's had like six Emmy nods. It was an Academy Award winner as well, which is completely unique because it's sort of a TV series as well as a film. So yeah. so there's that. It's uh, just been nominated as well. You've been nominated for the uh, music in it for the Emmys. Congratulations on that. You, I mean, uh, amazing how far this documentary's gone, really. It's, it's, it's crazy. It really is nuts. I mean, nobody thought from the director on down that we would have this much traction. You know, it's, it really just keeps on pushing somehow. Yeah, yeah. How did you get involved with that? Well, I had worked on a couple of films with Ezra Edelman, the director, before for HBO uh, documentaries. And, uh, you know, he called me kind of late in the game on this one um, and told me that, you know, he originally didn't even want to do the film himself because he thought, you know, who wants to revisit the OJ saga? Is anybody yeah. going to be interested or is this just going to be, you know, another rehashing of stuff everybody already knows? But once he told me that ESPN had given him sort of like the green light to do whatever he wanted to do. Then he decided he was going to bring bring it into an historical context with, you know, race in America and the judicial system, justice system, and really sort of like focus on why the ultimate verdict of the trial of the century came down as it did and, and what forces were at work behind the scenes to have that happen. And once he said that, I thought, you know, this is going to be a, a good film because I know Ezra, he's a smart guy. Everything he does is well thought out. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. And then uh, then the issue, of course, was the schedule because it was an insane schedule and there wasn't enough time. So I had a fight with them literally to get an extra two months. 
And I ended up writing, I think, until about 11 days before its uh, <laughs> theatrical debut. Yeah, That's insane. Nice. So, so how, how much music were you writing and what was the, the final time period you got to do it? Uh, five and a half months, originally up from three, which would have been definitely impossible <laughs> unless, I want, unless I wanted to hire a team of composers and I don't work that way. So yeah, I uh, and plus we had it was known at the beginning that we were going to use an orchestra for a lot of the cues. Some of the cues were electronic sound yeah. design ish yeah. sort of weird stuff, but a lot of them were using real trumpet and a real string section. We had 40 strings at Warner Brothers. Wow. It's a whole other time commitment that you've got to at least allocate three weeks to that whole thing. So yeah. it, it was pretty crazy, but I think all in all, I had to write about 185 cues. Oh, man. That's insane. (laughs) It was. It was like doing five 90-minute films, which is what I probably would do in a year, you know, (laughs) in five and a half months. So, yeah, it was, you know, it it was pretty crazy. I worked day and night for five and a half months straight with barely a day off. That's insane. I mean, how did you end up approaching the music? What sort of direction were you given from Ezra? Well, he said, um, you know, there was a temp score there. So he wanted me to sort of like get involved with the mood of the temp. And he had a couple of specific instrument requests. He wanted there to be a trumpet and he wanted there to be an oboe in the score. He wanted the trumpet to sort of be the signature sound of, of the tragedy of the of, of oj's life and and of the victims you know nicole and and ron yeah, yeah so and and the oboe of course also featured in that but beyond that it was sort of just up to me to, to go in there and fill in the blanks you know some of the he wanted an, an eclectic score he didn't want the whole score to sound like it was painted with the same brush so we, we might have a string cue with some trumpet juxtaposed with some weird mani- sound manipulation and you know backwards guitar pitch two octaves down with with some sort of unusual drum all those things kind of worked as an ensemble and because there was so much variety it kind of the variety became almost an identity and it kind of worked so i hope it worked yeah i mean it's it's a really interesting soundtrack like you say it's incredibly eclectic you've got the that sort of jazzy film noir stuff which is the sort of solo trumpet and the piano and then yeah that's got this sort of lovely, lonely feel about it. Then you've got kind of Baroque string quartet stuff. And, right, yeah, yeah. And then electronic sounding things and then a full like orchestra. And uh, there's there's sort of, you know, are you using, I'm assuming you are using live orchestra and not using virtual instruments for a lot of that. True, yeah. Hardly any virtual instruments. It's all either live orchestra or me playing. I've got a, a pretty, you know, crazy collection of acoustic instruments in my studio, all sorts of things from, you know, vibraphones, phones to guitar violas to <laughs> servo drums and timpanis and hang drums and everything. And I, I would rather play those things live than pick up, you know, or, you know, to go to a keyboard and then search for a, a sample of something. Yeah. And I think it gives it more life and more authenticity. And it's, sometimes it's even faster because searching for a timpani sound, you know, the right timpani sound, if you've got 10 different timpanis, takes time. And I got a temp sitting right next to me here. I'll just play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? If you've got yeah. it, it's got to be the easier way to do it. So, I mean, yeah. are you playing a lot of the instruments yourself then and then kind of layering them over each other and, and doing it that way? Or, or were you actually working with like string quartets and, and, and that sort of stuff. All the strange instruments that I'll play myself, but 
as in the Audrey score, I had um, a number of really great solos come over to the studio and play, like a great cellist and a great oboist and clarinet player. I, I'm not, not going to pretend that I can play those instruments. That would be <laughs> that would be nuts. So, the, and these guys have spent their entire lives mastering these instruments. I'm not going to come in and try to compete with that. But I have them over, and then uh, once th- their parts were recorded, or not actually before, but you know, I would record the orchestra either before or after, sort of like almost simultaneously in, in, the, in the same week. And that's how it was put together. Me playing these unusual sort of instruments, hiring great soloists, and then recording the, the strings and other instruments at the, on the scoring stage. Have you um, ever done a, a sort of live performance of it? Because obviously, you know, the, it, it's such a popular thing and it's been winning kind of various awards. Do you, do you ever like perform the, you know, extracts from it as a, in a sort of concert setting? Have you done that yet? Because I know yeah, some I mean, of the composers do that. Yeah, you're, you're the first person who's asked me that. Um, I thought about that. I don't, nobody has contacted me with an opportunity to do that but if that were to arise i think it'd be a fun thing i think it would translate well to get my trumpet player out there and uh who was really great uh, his name is jeff banal and to you know have that back with a with a big live string section it could be great that might be an idea that that we can pursue um yeah down a little bit yeah yeah that, i think it would make sense given the amount of awards it's been winning <laughs> i think you know there's, yeah, there's got to be an appetite for it yeah the number of awards is is I think it's over 30. I mean, it's really pretty crazy. A lot of these awards that nobody's ever heard of, but they're out there, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're just, you know, I talked to Ezra. I said, how can, how are you handling this? Cause he's kind of a <laughs> private guy. He's not like a Hollywood type. And he, he just said, you know, he's at the end of the day, he's ready to just collapse. I mean, he's so much press, so many awards, so many different shows. Oh, but he, you know, he's, he got through it and it's still not over yet. So no, no, no. Well, let's say six Emmy nods so far. So, uh, yeah. so that'll be the next big thing, you know, um, yeah. It's crazy, crazy though. I mean, you've, uh, although you are probably primarily working in documentaries, you have done some TV series stuff as well. You did uh, Luck, the HBO series with uh, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, right. You did that as well. Is, is there a difference for you composing sort of documentaries and drama? No, I mean, I've, I've been asked that question before. And I think that, you know, for me, any emotion that's going going to be on film, whether it's a documentary or a narrative film, it has to be represented by music in some way. And I think that the way you represent that is the same. There may be some devices that are in narrative films, like the crafting of, of, a, of a suspense scene or a chase that requires that you do this specific type of music. But with all the new breed of documentary films that we've seen over the last five years, so many of those techniques have been integrated into documentaries now. So it's as it also is evidenced by the fact that documentaries are tempted with film scores from narrative films. Yeah. And it all works. It all sort of is cut from the same cloth. And I never think, oh, I'm scoring a documentary. I'm going to put on my documentary hat. Um, never do I ever go there. And I think that's important to, to do that. You don't want to, uh, you want to approach these types of projects, you know, as cinematically as you can. And that's what I try to do. So I, I definitely don't have even a, you know, any, there's no percentage there of, of, of difference for me. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense, particularly, I mean, I, you know, having listened to bits and pieces of the, the OJ score there mm-hmm. there are sections of that which would not look out of place in sort of you know particularly the jazz sort of stuff wouldn't be out of place in some sort of film noir thing so you know yeah for sure you know that, that that's kind of a stylistic 
that that jazzy part that would fit in certain films for sure. Uh, that isn't a, a sound we hear a lot of these days, but no, uh, it worked in this particular film. So yeah, yeah. On to some more general questions. What would you say is the most interesting experience you've had while working? That's an interesting question. I, I let me just pause for a second and think about this. I think the thing that surprised me the most was when I got my first job back in animation. I uh, I met with the head of music there at Hanna Barbera, and I hadn't had any experience in animation. I had done this show called Monsters, which was like Tales of the Dark Dark Side. It had no bearing at all to animation. And, but I had a great meeting with the guy. We kind of hit it off. And he said, well, I like your stuff, but it isn't anything that we can use in animation. But let's stay in touch. And I figured, okay, this has gone nowhere. <laughs> so I went home and I went to the video store when there were video stores, right? Yeah. And I uh, I rented a Roadrunner video and I stripped the music and dialogue off it. I scored two minutes of it and I called him back up and I said, hey, I got this thing. Would you like to see it? And he said, yeah, sure. Bring it on. Bring it on in. And I did. And that sort of resonated with them. And that started the whole thing going. I got my first show with them. And uh, so that's that was sort of like, I didn't think that was going to work. But I, you know, you in this business, you try to do whatever you can to make things happen. And I was surprised that that worked. I, I was flabbergasted that, that that turned into me getting all that I got out, out of, you know, animation for all those years. So I, I, I'd say that moment is probably the, the, the most one that sticks with me. That's that's a brilliant way of doing it, though, taking taking an existing kind of cartoon, particularly something like Roadrunner, which doesn't have any dialogue in it. So you can right. just... Yeah, I mean that—that's genius. I what a great what a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I picked because there was no the only thing the only dialogue is a beep beep. That's yeah. it, you know. So that was gone, and the sound effects were gone. But they could see they could see, you know there wasn't any uh, talking heads on screen that I had to fake. It was just all action. Yeah. So it was fun. It was fun to do it. Yeah, it's really cool. What career would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing? I'd be a rock star. Right. <laughs> of course obviously right. yeah yeah we had a great band we had this minor record record deal and stuff but it was just uh it, it wasn't a group of guys that were meant to stick together so there were some issues there and i had really moved out to la initially to reform a new band and to try to you know stick with that whole idea but then i i just started to get interested in in film music and that just sort of turned me around yeah um, but yeah. yeah if i had a different career you know sure it would be it would but it would have been a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give somebody that wants to get into the music and composing industry it's gotten so much more competitive because so many people are aware of it now and on the surface it kind of seems like yeah i could do that all i need to do is go to usc or some film scoring school and then you know get myself out there and get a job and it's that's just not it's never easy. It's, it's like actors trying to get work. There's so many of them and, and it's sort of luck plays a huge part. And I guess for me, it's really just the thing that other people have said before, which is you've got to in increase your opportunity for luck to, to happen. Yeah. And then one, by getting out there and talking to everybody, I mean, my first job going back before the animation, I mentioned that series called Monsters. The only reason why I got that was my first job, basically, that was on television. And I was at my eye doctor's office and um, I told her that I, that's what I do. And she goes, oh, my sister's doing a show called Monsters. And uh, 
it's an anthology series like the twilight zone. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, you should give me your, your tape, which tapes back then too. Right. And, um, I did and got that job. And and if I didn't mention that to her, none of that would have happened. So it's sort of a, you know, getting the word out, but at the same time, you've got to be able to deliver once you get an opportunity. And that's really important. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the other way is to be an assistant. But but even that road is is really competitive now. I mean, so many guys are hiring, you know, Berkeley College of Music grads as assistants. And that's a cool way to, to break into it, too. But there's a limit, limited number of slots uh, there also. For me, I, I kind of rather dive into it straight on and get, and get in, you know, with uh opportunity and and making sure your skills are there yeah makes sense so um what are you doing next hbo is doing a documentary on on uh, ben bradley who was the washington post editor during the water watergate era oh cool and i wonder why they're doing that film right <laughs> i wonder i wonder yeah. yeah yeah right so uh it's really a pretty gripping story and the parallels to today with the trump administration and everything are just staggering it's just it's amazing what how the history is repeating itself yeah and i'm just yeah. about through with that score uh we're going to record an orchestra in about three weeks for, for this one as well uh mainly strings and then soloist same as oj cool and then beyond that um Another monster project, uh, a six-part PBS series on the space race is called Chasing the Moon. Uh, And then a few more other projects, too. But those are going to take up most of my attention for the next year or so. Nice. They sound really good. I don't know about the PBS thing, but we should get the HBO thing over here because we we get most of the HBO stuff. So Yeah, that that should be airing in in December. They they, want to beat Steven Spielberg to the punch. He's he's doing his big uh, film on Ben Bradley with Tom Hanks. I think they're releasing it in January. Right, okay, yeah. They don't want to release ours after that. Before would be good. Yeah, yeah. No, it would be. Um, So um, two final questions that we always ask people first one is uh, what tv shows are you watching at the moment ah uh, in the summer i hardly watch tv uh, <laughs> i'm out doing stuff or i'm working um i like basketball I, you know i right. don't watch a lot of uh i'm looking forward to, to, to the new season of curb your enthusiasm i love larry david i can't wait to see that show um yeah it was the funniest thing that i'd seen in years and i was so happy that it's come back so that that's one. I, I don't get into a lot of trends. I, you know, I've never watched Game of Thrones, even though everybody loves it. I probably should have started it, but <laughs> never did. Yeah, there's a uh, lot to get through at this point. That's the problem. Yeah, you know, it, there's so many great shows out there. That, that, that's one of them, I'm sure. I just never got in, in at the beginning. Now it's kind of too late. Um, but I think the Larry David show is the one that sticks out to me at this point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present, or future, other than ones you've worked on, obviously, which show would it be? Past, present, or future? Wow. I would probably like to work on Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes, that's a Way good choice. Past, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that film. It's a great film. It's still, if it ever comes on, you know, I'm going to watch it. And the other film would have to be the original Die Hard. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> great movie. <laughs> yeah, great movie. You know, Michael Kamen, such a great composer he was. And I met him once and we talked about things and uh, he was he was a true talent and he did such a great job on that film. Yeah. Whenever that thing comes on TV, I'm like, I'm a magnet to it. I end up watching it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that, it's a great that movie. Be, yeah. I'm kind of joking about that, but it, it is my favorite thing. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, I shall uh, let you go and let you get back to your day. Thank you for spending a little bit of time just to talk through your career and OJ and stuff. It's been great. Oh, thank you so much, David. I really great questions and uh, hope to talk to you again in the future. Yeah. Talk to you again soon. Cheers. Great. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Gary. If you want to get the uh, the OJ Made in America documentary, I don't think, I think it originally aired on BBC Four, but I you, know, you may find it on some catch-up services and that sort of stuff. Uh, there'll be DVDs out as well if you want to go and look for them but it's it's really good and really interesting so I, I would advise you to go and watch it next up we have some highlights for next week on TV so highlights for next week we've got some some really good stuff coming back I think next week or some new stuff airing Doc Martin returns for its 8th season so that's uh, on the 20th of September not a show I've particularly watched but you know it's 8 seasons in so 20th of September on ITV at 9pm that is you know, if you're into that sort of thing go watch that The Good Place which we've been talking about for a while season 1 and season 2 of that are coming to Netflix from the 21st of September this is the one about uh, the the girl that ends up in heaven but should have been in hell and uh, is determined to stay in heaven so he's trying to sort of make sure that the the guy that the facilitator michael played by ted danson is oh. doesn't sort of catch onto her and uh, kicks her out so um is it is this this new this actually was released last year but it's it's the first it's coming for its second season so 21st uh, well is, that's what i thought that's what because it's one and two seasons yeah so uh season one aired last year in the u.s this is the first time it's been picked up in the uk i've actually seen the first season because i saw it on a plane going <laughs> over to the u.s it's brilliantly funny a really it? clever yeah it's a great show i thoroughly enjoyed it so that's coming to Netflix. And then the second season is going to go out weekly. So the first episode of the second season Great. will be on there from the 21st. And then it's going to go out weekly after that. I'd but, watch that. That sounds good, man. Yeah, it's it's great. It's very, very funny. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's well worth watching. So I'm looking forward to that. That's The Good Place coming to Netflix 21st of September. Then uh, the Russell Howard Hour, which is basically an hour of Russell Howard on, <laughs> on Sky One. That's from the 21st of September at 10 p.m. That's coming i love russell howard i think he's a brilliant stand-up comic i'm not entirely sure what this new show is going to be whether yeah. it's just going to be him doing more stand-up or whether it's going to be more formatted than that i don't know but i loved his good news show i thought that was superb so i yeah i'm looking forward to that i think that's one i'll check out transparent is back for its fourth season on amazon prime that's coming from the 22nd of september i i still haven't caught this yet and i need to go back and watch it because everybody says how brilliant it is and it's one yeah god didn't knows. that win an emmy or something yeah something. that's that's one god knows how many emmys and stuff so uh yeah that's uh, that's certainly one that's going to be worth watching. Fuller House season three of that coming to Netflix on the twenty second of September. 
September. And then we've got one of the big ones, Star <laughs> Trek Discovery, comes on the 25th of September to Netflix. I don't know, how, how much of a Star Trek fan are you? Are you kind uh, of... Zero on a scale of <laughs> zero, to, zero to ten. You know what, actually, though, I've never watched, I've never watched Star Trek. I've never watched uh, any of the movies, which I keep meaning to watch and I've never watched. But actually, because this is just on Netflix, I'd give this a go. And it's, um, I like the guy who's in it, so... I'd be willing to give this a go, possibly. Right, yes, yes, because it's uh, Jason Isaacs is one That's of correct, the That's correct, Jason, Jason uh, Isaacs. You've got um, some Nequa Martin-Green from uh, Walking Dead is the lead in it. I will watch it, obviously, because I'm <laughs> a huge Star Trek nerd and have been for eight years, but it's slightly worrying that they haven't handed out any previews of it, uh. which is a little concerning. That could be just to stop spoilers, but... Hype. That's the hype train, Dave. You know, it's also a little worrying that they haven't handed out press previews. Somebody did point that out, that they've refused to hand out press previews. I don't know whether that's that's just because they want to try and keep a lid on everything, or whether they're worried about it and want mm. the public to see it first. Sometimes when they refuse to press screen things, that's not always the best sign. But yeah, I'm I am looking forward to it. I think you know I'm predisposed to liking this. It's Star Trek. It's a new version of Star Trek. We've been starved starved of Star Trek TV shows for a very long time. So I am glad this <laughs> this is coming. Twenty uh, fifth of September to Netflix for that. And then the Deuce, which I think looks quite interesting. This is. Is coming to Sky Atlantic on the 26th of September at 9pm. It's a drama about the legalisation and subsequent rise of the porn industry in uh, around New York's Times Square in the 70s and 80s. But it's from the creators of The Wire. There's been some trailers going around for it. I think this could be a really solid HBO series. I don't know if you ever watched The Wire. No, no. I hear good things. Well, of course I hear good things. Yeah, I mean, it's The Wire, for God's sake. <laughs> yes, yeah, you you should you should really really should go watch the wire because mm. i'm sure that's kicking around on it was on now tv I think I it's it's on, yes i believe it's on now tv possibly i don't know if it's still there but i think it's been on yeah it certainly has so yeah you really need to go and watch the wire it's it's an amazing series and this is from the same guys it's historical because it's set in the 70s and 80s i think this is going to be one definitely worth watching out for and it could be an emmy contender i think for next year i mean hard to gauge without seeing the whole thing but it looks pretty solid so so we'll keep an eye on it but uh yeah that's the deuce it's called it's coming to sky atlantic on 26th of september at 9 p.m that's everything i think this week unless you've got anything else you want to well, add i uh could just say dave there's a program on i don't know if it's tonight or tomorrow it's early this week called uh joel and nish versus versus the world on comedy central which is about uh do you know joel Dommer and nish kumar oh i know they're, nish kumar yes yes comedians and they they just you know it's a travel doc it's a travel comedy program and i really like those yeah there is monday the 18th at nine so by the time this goes out it'll already be gone i suppose um but yeah that'll be on uh, now tv so I'm, I'm definitely excited for that oh yes uh, and i'm gonna give that i'm gonna give that um that thing you just mentioned with ted danson again yes yes the uh, the good, the good place. place good place sounds yes that's uh, 21st of september that lance but um, sounds like a good place to me yes <laughs> and on that terrible pun uh, <laughs> we shall uh, we shall move on if you want more news and uh, edit information this week and uh, any other week go to the website at geek10.co 
geekdown.uk for all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us on podcast at geekdown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.